Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. It's the goal of most people in this world. Some even destroy themselves in their efforts to obtain it. Popular singer Pharrell Williams recently sang a whole song about it. What am I talking about? Happiness, that often elusive condition that seems to haunt our every move and action. We want to be happy. And that's not a bad thing. God wants us to be happy and joyful and full of confidence. Well, Dr. Jennings is here today via Skype to help us identify and then perhaps infuse a little more happiness into our lives. Dr. Jennings, what do we need to know? You know, I think you're right, Charles. Everybody wants to be happy. Yes, yeah. But many people don't know where our happiness originates or where it comes from. Mm -hmm. And thus they are in all types of pursuits pursuing it, but they never find it. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna enlighten people about it. And then we're gonna go through some research that they've actually done on what helps bring happiness. Happiness is a byproduct of healthiness. Hmm. Byproduct means it can't be gotten directly. It comes from doing something else. Like sawdust is a byproduct of woodworking. So happiness is a byproduct of healthiness in all domains and physical, mental, relational, spiritual. And as we harmonize with how God designed the universe to operate, how he designed life to operate, which are his design laws, his protocols for life. Mm -hmm. As we harmonize with those, we experience as a byproduct ever-increasing happiness. When we break the laws of God, physical, mental, relational, spiritual, we experience sickness, disease, suffering, and all sickness, disease, and suffering undermines happiness. Absolutely. This is why the Bible repeatedly says, this is Proverbs 29, 18, happy are those who keep God's law. That only is true if you understand the law like the laws of health, the laws upon which reality are built. If you understand the law as simply a list of rules that you're obliged to keep that restrict you from having freedom and liberty, there is no happiness there. That's man's law. That's not God's law. God's law are the laws upon which life is built. So while we cannot choose to be happy or to seek happiness directly, we can choose to seek healthiness, to seek and explore in our life where we're not as healthy as we would like to be and why we're not and what we can do to move toward God's design for health in that domain of our life. Mental, physical, relational, uh, spiritual. Yeah. So that's where we have to explore. Some of my patients have good physical health but they have terrible relational health. Yeah, Some have yeah. good physical relational, but they have bad spiritual health. They're under guilt and shame. It's all domains of health. Viktor Frankl, Austrian neurologist, psychiatrist, and Holocaust survivor wrote, success like happiness cannot be pursued. It must ensue. And it only does so as the unintended side effect of one's personal dedication to a cause greater than oneself or as the byproduct of one's surrender to a person other than oneself. Mm -hmm. Other-centeredness. He's got great insight here. And so many people who are unhappy because they're out of harmony in some way with their life, they're unhealthy, often spiritually, psychologically, they will substitute pleasure-seeking for happiness. 
And while we can't directly pursue happiness, we can directly pursue things that create pleasure. But most of the direct pleasure seeking violates the laws of health and thus cause us to be less happy like a person who has an addiction. And when they take their substance and get high, it brings pleasure. Or a person that pursues pornography, or a person that shoplifts and steals, they will talk about the thrill and the pleasure they get out of doing this, or the just the thrill seekers out there. What are they doing? They're pursuing pleasure. But none of that actually brings happiness. And over the last several decades, a lot of research has gone into happiness, And I'm going to share with you some studies that have been done. So over the last decades, there's been research into happiness. I'm going to share with you some of the studies. In one six-week study, the researchers had participants randomized into a control group and two active groups. One group was instructed to count your blessings once a week on Sunday. And the other active group was to count your blessings three times a week on Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And this was done by sitting down and making a list on paper of the things that you're thankful for. What they found at the end of six weeks is those who counted their blessings once a week had improvement in gratitude and happiness when compared to the control group, but the control group did not differ from the group that counted their blessings three times a week. They both actually had reductions in gratitude and happiness. And what they discovered was that sitting down and counting your blessings once a week led to actual appreciation and thankfulness and enhancements and happiness and so forth. But doing it three times a week became desensitized and also became a rote chore that was done pro forma without actually any gratitude. It was more obligatory. And obligatory work or chores do not bring a sense of happiness. That's amazing. And I think as soon as I describe it that way, you go, oh, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it is helpful once a week. And maybe that's why God gave us a Sabbath once a week to come apart and spend time in appreciation of him and not three a week. A different four-week study had a control group and two study groups. One group was to do an act of kindness for another person. The other study group was to do an act of kindness for self. And the control group was just to go about their routine and was not given any specific instructions. Mm -hmm. Those who did an act of kindness for others were happier than the control group at the end of the four-week study. But those who did act of kindness for self, like getting a massage or something like that, were no different than the control group. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Acts of kindness for self do not bring happiness, but for others to do, at least in that study. In another four-week study, researchers wanted to see if the acts of kindness did more than just bring emotional state of happiness. Are there physical benefits to the acts of kindness as well as happiness benefits? And so they had four groups this time. They had controls who were not given any instructions, just continue their routine. Those who were doing acts of kindness at least once a week or more basis for others. Those who do acts of kindness for the world, no person involved, but acts of kindness for the world would be, I'm going to spend an hour picking up trash along the road. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Something like that, something for the world. Benefit the population at large, for instance. And then those who did an act of kindness for self. Then they examined gene expression in their white blood cells to see if there was difference in immunity, if it improved or undermined immunity to do this. And what they discovered is those who did acts of kindness for others had reduced 
inflammatory cascades, meaning they had less inflammation in their body, and they had improved viral fighting ability. They could fight viruses off better. Epigenetically, they had their genes alter expression in their white blood cells, so they became less susceptible to viral illnesses. Mm. But those who did acts of kindness for the world or acts of kindness for self did not differ from controls. Hmm. Researchers found that acts of kindness could backfire in certain situations and make a person less happy. And that would be if the motivation was actually for self rather than for another person. I'm going to do this act of kindness so that you'll like me more or that you'll promote me at the office or I'll get more praise at school. And so these acts of kindness were a contrived way to get self to advance then it actually didn't bring more happiness, if that makes sense to you. It does. So it really wasn't for others. It was disguised as being for others. Mm-hmm. When the act becomes a burden, when it becomes rote, when it becomes work, rather than an act of love or an act of kindness. When it contradicts one's true heart beliefs or their current mindset, this has been seen in people who are in a state of clinical depression And in the state of clinical depression, they're asked to make a list of things or people they're thankful for. That can actually cause that person in depression to feel guilty that these people have done so much for them and feel like they're just a big burden to everyone else and make their depression worse. Or in cultural contradictions, for instance, in certain Eastern cultures, it's considered a duty of one's integrity to raise their children. And if they are given, thank you for doing such a good job in raising your children, it's viewed as an insult to do that. Are you telling me that I wouldn't have done that? Are you (laughs) questioning my integrity? And so you have to have some cultural sensitivity to those types of things too. Mm -hmm. Or if it goes against a person's baseline personality and the different personalities, a extremely introverted person, for instance, being directed to get up in front of a group and tell what they're thankful for, that could undermine their well-being or happiness because the stress level is too high Mm -hmm. against their baseline personality. Mm -hmm. But without those variables involved, generally acts of kindness thankfulness to others is beneficial. And guess what as Christians? This is all simply outworking of the law of love that God built the universe to operate upon, that we love is the act of beneficence or kindness to others. And research shows that, in fact, that's harmony with one of God's design laws. It's not surprising that we're both healthier and subsequently happier when we harmonize with them. Wow. That study just underlines what Jesus is saying so much, you know, that if, as we help others, serve others, as we, as we do for others, there is a happiness that, that creeps into our hearts and, and it exchanges. And it seems to me, Dr. Jennings, that the more we do that and the more we allow God's love to shine through us, the easier it becomes for us to do something for others. We don't have to choose to do something. We just automatically do it. Would I be right in saying that? Well, you just described another design law when you said that. That's the law of exertion. Yes. If you want something to get stronger, you must exercise it, because if you don't use it, you lose it. That's true on your math ability, your musical skill, your language skills, your physical abilities, and also your ability to love other people. And the more you exercise any ability, the easier it becomes to continue to do it, and you expand in those abilities to do it. And this is what Jesus also meant. The more you give, 
the more you receive. The more love you give away, the more love is poured into your heart. And this is contradictory to the systems of the world. And the Bible says that this is foolishness to the world. Because in the world, no, it's not the more you give. You can't get more by giving more away. You get more by hoarding, by taking mm. for stuff, by getting other people to give to you. That's how you get more, not by giving away. And so the systems of the world are in absolute opposition to the systems of God's kingdom. But the takers in this world, the hoarders in this world, they are actually not happy people. They're fear-ridden people, and they don't have peace. But the givers in the world, they're the ones who actually find happiness because they're in harmony with God's design for life. So when we start using that design law of beneficence, loving someone and doing for somebody, it may at first be a choice that we're making, but then it becomes more automatic the more we do it, yet we get happiness in both cases? So as it becomes part of your character, yes, it becomes part of the operating system of your life. Yes. It can initially be part of an intentional act because you understand it and you don't really have it in your heart as an automated system. And so you say, Lord, I want to be more loving. I'm going to choose to do this today. Give me your grace and give me the desire to do it. And you continue to do it willfully. Then over the course of time, yes, it wires in and you find the joy and you find the love and it becomes easier for you to continue to give. All right, listener, I want you to visit a website, comeandreason.com. Dr. Jennings has made multiple resources available there. He has his book, starting with Could It Be This Simple? and The uh, God-Shaped Heart, The God-Shaped Brain, and The Aging Brain, as well as some DVDs and television programs that he has done. These podcasts are all available there. Also, a beautiful paraphrase of the Bible called The Remedy. You can check that all out at comeandreason.com. And there's good news. If you go there, Dr. Jennings is not in this thing to become a millionaire. He's in it because he loves you and because he wants to do good things for you. And the good news is that every once in a while there at the website, they give things away and you can probably find something that you need that God is trying to bring into your life. Absolutely no cost whatsoever at comeandreason.com. Dr. Jennings, why are you doing this? Why are you being such a good guy? Well, our goal at Come and Reason Ministries is to help free people's minds from belief systems that are damaging to them and help them experience the fullness that God has designed for them and ultimately grow up with the full stature of sons and daughters of God. Well, that absolutely happens at comeandreason.com. And listener, I invite you to go there immediately after the program, of course. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for sharing with us today. As always, appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music> 